morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. I don't think we have any visitors today, but if there's anybody hiding, you are very welcome, and we hope you enjoy your time with us. Please stay and have a cup of tea or coffee at the end of the service. Our evening service at 7pm in Wellington Church will be led by Marion Cowie. Thank you, Anne. It's good to see everybody today. Um, the weather has changed. Hopefully, we are glad to be here. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. So let's join our voices with those of others in other places and in other times as we sing God's praises in our opening hymn. The Lord is King, lift up your voice. And if you are able and would like to, you're invited to stand as we sing.
Over the last couple of weeks at the evening services, we have been looking at some of the Psalms. And last week, we looked at some of the Psalms of offence, the, the, the Psalms that people would use on their way up to Jerusalem to worship God. And I, I think of these as the yomping Psalms, the things you sort of sing vigorously to keep you going. And actually within Psalm 118 and also in Psalm 136, we see a form of prayer and praise. It's call and response. And we're going to use that basic format for our prayers of approach this morning. So basically what happens is I'm going to say a sentence or a whatever word would call it when it's not quite a sentence. Um, and we all say God's love is everlasting after each line. So I say a line and then we say God's love is everlasting. Um, if you miss it, it doesn't matter. But hopefully we'll get most of them as we go together. So together we're praising God. It's not just me saying things and us giving assent. It's all of us sharing together in worshipping God. So let us pray. Let us worship God, our creator, who in love made all things. God's love is everlasting. Let us praise God, our redeemer, who in love gives us the gift of Christ. God's love is everlasting. Let us approach God, our sustainer, who in love's gives us the Holy Spirit as our guide. God's love is everlasting. Let us thank God, our shelter, who has kept us safe for another week. God's love is everlasting. Let us thank God, our provider, for food to eat and for clean water to drink and with which to wash. God's love is everlasting. Let us thank God, our healer, for the measure of health we enjoy and for those who care for us when we are unwell. God's love is everlasting. Let us confess to God the words, thoughts and deeds of which we are ashamed. God's love is everlasting. Let us lay before God the words, thoughts and deeds of others that have hurt or offended us. God's love is everlasting. Let us receive from God the forgiveness we seek for ourselves and the grace to forgive others. God's love is everlasting. And let us join our voices together in our own heart languages as we pray for the inbreaking of God's kingdom of Shalom. Praying together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. So today the person in the Bible we're going to be looking at is Moses, or part of the story of Moses. Last week we had a little quiz around Joseph, and you did brilliantly with it. Um, you all had a go, even if you weren't sure of the answers, but you, but you chatted to each other, you worked together, and that was brilliant. So I thought well, I might as well do another quiz, because hey, you might as well just keep going when you're on a roll. So this week we have a quiz about Moses Ben Levi. Moses, the descendant of Levi. And again, along your rows or turning around to the people in front or behind of you to make a little team, just work together. No cheating and looking up the answers in your Bible or on your smartphone. If you need to translate a word on your smartphone, that is completely different and is 100% permitted. And you don't need to write anything down if you don't want to, uh, but it's just have a conversation along your row. Don't just have one person go, oh, yeah, the answer's this, the answer's that. Discuss it together uh, and see where you get to. And I'm going to give you two or three minutes to do that. Okay, then, that, I'm afraid, is time up. Some really good buzz of conversation there, which is, was great. That's really encouraging. So let's just have a quick run through and see if between us we can get some answers for these questions. And if you got it wrong, it doesn't matter. We're all about learning, not about passing and failing. This is not an RE exam. <laughs> I did have to learn all this stuff when I was doing O-level RE, but it was a very, very long time ago. Okay, so Shifra and Poa, the two Hebrew midwives, how did they trick Pharaoh? That's correct, Joan. Yep, they said, to, oh, you know, these, these Hebrew women, they give birth really quickly, not like your Egyptian women. And by the time we get there, the babies are already born. And Pharaoh believed them. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. I just note it. Uh, next question. When Moses was in Egypt, what crime did he commit? Murder. <laughs> Indeed, Lena. There was a murder. Uh, he, 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 he murdered an Egyptian supervisor yeah, who he saw ill-treating a Hebrew slave and he thought this was, made him very furious because this was one of his people. So he went, no, was watching and did it. But he was seen, he was caught out and he had to flee for his life. Now this is a really tricky one, so please don't feel bad if you didn't get any of these. Do you, anybody get the names of Moses, probably first wife, and his two sons? It is Katrina, well done, yeah, Zipporah, yeah. Go to the top of the class. Yep, so her name was Zipporah, she was a Midianite woman, and she had two sons who they named Gershon, Gershom, sorry, and Eliezer. Gershom means alien. And Eliezer means God is my helper. There is later on in, in, in the book of Numbers, there's a reference to a, a Cushite or Ethiopian wife who is not named. So it does look like Moses probably had two wives in the long term. Okay, when Moses heard God speak to him from the burning bush, 
what were the questions that Moses asked and what excuse or excuses did he give as to why he shouldn't go to Egypt? Moses said he didn't know what to say. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, Ailey. Yeah. And he, wasn't good at speaking. he wasn't good at speaking. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. He said, Why, me? Why me? He did. That was the first one. Yeah. Who am I? Why me? Yeah. Any others? It's easy for me. I've got them written down in the right order. <laughs> he probably was, but that's not said. But that's, that's, that's a, yeah, I'm sure that's true, Katrina. I'm sure he was thinking, well, if I go there, I'll get arrested. He did. He said, here I am, send him. <laughs> well, actually, he said, send somebody else. Yep, the, the, the five things were, who am I or why me? Who will I say sent me? What authority am I going on? Because they, they might not believe me. What do I do if they don't believe me? Oh, but, 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 but I can't speak. Um, some people think he had a stammer or, or a, a lisp or something. Other people think he just wasn't very good at public speaking. We never know. Um, he, he did say, I'm not good at speaking. And the last one was, can't you send someone else? At which point God got a bit cross, but did kind of meet him halfway. What were the names of Moses' brother and sister, who we're not told until quite a long way into the story? Aaron yeah. and Miriam, that's right, yes. Yeah. So Aaron and Miriam. Aaron is, Aaron is the one who becomes the speaker. Um, and Miriam is the one who leads the woman dancing with her tambourine after they've crossed the Red Sea. Now, scholars will debate whether they were literally his brother and sister or whether they were his peers um, within the tribe of Levi because the language of brother and sister is used a bit the same way as we use it in church. You, you are my brothers and sisters. I am your sister. Well, yes, I am, but no, I'm not. And yes, you are, and no, you're not. So we don't actually know, but that's the names of them. Okay, when they had crossed the Red Sea, how did the people behave? I've answered my own question, okay. Aha, uh -huh, they did to start with, but what came next? They were really whiny, indeed they were, Holly. They grumbled, they moaned. Um, I will pick up some more of that when I go over the story. Who became Moses' apprentice and his eventual successor? Joshua. Joshua, yeah. Oh, this is the one that always makes teenagers smile. Joshua, son of Nun, spelled N-U-N, who is the only nun who ever had a son, apparently. Okay, it's a bad joke. Okay, last one, and there's no right or wrong answer to this. What characteristics do you think that Moses had, good and bad? Sorry? Uh, zealous. zealous, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Impulsive. Impulsive. Good leader. Good leader. Able to delegate. Able to delegate, okay. Lacked self confidence, yeah. Clearly, especially in the early days, yeah. He could be grumpy, he could lose his temper. He was just an ordinary guy, really, just as all of us are ordinary people. He was passionate, yep, great. That's a good one with which to finish. So, so thank you, everybody, for taking part in that quiz and, and for what we've shared together of that story. We're going to 
I think we're going to sing, aren't we? I've got things in the wrong order on my PowerPoints. We're going to sing again, and it's, this is a good African-American spiritual. This is one of the, hymns, the songs that the slaves on the plantations would have sung to kind of encourage themselves, and it's one that, that the Christian church has taken on and claimed as its own as well. When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Thanks, Paul. feel like you're being pulled in too many different directions, that you're trying to keep too many plates spinning, or that you're juggling so many balls that you risk dropping one or all of them? Or do you feel that you could really do something, you've got the gifts and the skills to do it, but there's no opportunity 
no opportunity because the people who are spinning all the plates and juggling all the balls actually can't see because they're so busy. As we look at the story of Moses, these are questions that are worth keeping at the back of our mind. We don't know much about Moses' early life. We don't know the name of his parents, so they were probably peasants. We don't know for certain that Miriam was the name of his birth sister, though it may well have been. And we don't know whether Aaron was his younger brother or his cousin or or what. What we do know is that Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and had the privilege of growing up in the palace. Yet he never forgot who he was. And when he saw the ill treatment of his fellow Israelites, the fellow Hebrews, he became so angry he committed murder. And then when he realised he'd been caught out, he became so frightened that he ran away. Many years passed. He married a a Midianite woman called Zipporah. And together they had two sons. But he never forgot where he came from. And one day when he was out in the fields looking after the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro, he had this mysterious encounter that would change the rest of his life. Now I don't know what the burning bush was, whether it was really on fire or whether it was just glowing in the sun or what, but that doesn't matter. Because for Moses it was for real and it turned his world upside down. And he had that encounter with God that we've already talked about and it ended up with him saying, here I am, send him. And God went, nah. You're going to do it. And Aaron will go with you and he can be your spokesperson. But I've given you this task to do. And we know the story of the Exodus. We know the story of the horrendous plagues or disasters that affected the people of Egypt. And as people living in the 21st century, we can't look back on that, at that and just go, oh, yeah, that was fine because they were the enemies of God's people. They deserved it. We can't do that. It's a puzzling and troubling story. And today is not the day to dwell on that, but we note it because it's part of that truth. And the people eventually did leave Egypt and they did follow Moses and they were happy and Miriam took the women and shook her tambourine and they danced and they praised God and they had a whale of a time and then it kind of all wore off very quickly according to the Bible within a few days it's like Moses, Moses we need a drink Moses, we're thirsty Moses so Moses with God's help gave them fresh water And a few weeks went by. It's like, Moses, Moses, we've got nothing nice to eat. When we were in Egypt, we could sit round our stew pots and have a lovely evening eating food and and chatting and relaxing. And we had melons and had cucumbers. And it was just better than Waitrose, frankly. And Moses spoke to God and God sent them food. But the food came with instructions. And they are a bit mysterious, and I don't understand it. But they were told that for six days, there would be food appear, which they called manna, which means, what is it? Stuff. 
but they were to take the amount they needed and no more. But some people thought they knew better. So they went out and thought, well, I need about that much for today. Well, just in case there's none tomorrow, I'll have the same again. And when they woke up the next day, it had gone bad. Which wasn't very encouraging for Moses, because the people weren't really listening. But then it got to day six, and he said, right now, today, remember, you go and collect twice as much, because there won't be any tomorrow. And again, some of them thought they knew better, so they got up early on the Sabbath morning, and they, oh, oh, there really isn't any. They weren't any easy people to work with. In fact, the Bible uses the word stiff-necked to describe them. They were stubborn. They were willful. They had Moses as their leader. But they didn't always follow him. And they certainly didn't always take notice of God. But hey-ho, time passed and they kind of settled into a rhythm and a routine. And people would come to Moses from time to time. Well, actually, a lot of the time, with their grouses and their questions. That person's upset me, Moses. Can you make it right? So Moses would listen to them and try and sort it out. And then that person's let their sheep go where I wanted my sheep to go. And he would sort that out. And he was wearing himself out. He was working so hard. But he was right in the middle of it. So he couldn't really see it. And then one day, his father-in-law, Jethro, arrived with his wife, Moses' wife, Zipporah, and his two boys, who had probably grown up pretty well by this time. <laughs> it's like a nice family reunion, I hope, although we're not told anything about it. But they stay, and Moses tells Jethro everything that God's been doing for the people. And Jethro, that's great, that's great, fabulous. Let's have dinner together. Joseph is a wise, Jethro, sorry, is a wise man. And he spends the day just looking at what's going on. And he comes up to Moses and he says, Moses, can I, can I tell you something? Yeah, okay. You can't go on like this, Moses. You're wearing yourself out. You're spreading yourself too thinly. And you're not putting your energy into the things that God has called you to do. Can I suggest that you look around and find other people who can help you? And that is what he did, and that's where Marit's delegation comes in. It took him a long time to get there, but he did get there. He looked around, he thought, that person, that person would be good to look after a, a thousand people. They, they've got the skills for that. They can do the high-level stuff. And that person would be quite good for 100 people. And that person would be brilliant for about 10 people. And it was a patriarchal society, so I'm afraid he did go around and pick men. But I think nowadays he would have picked women as well. And the story of the judges, because that's what they were called, reveals to us that there were women judges. The story of Deborah is well known and loved by women. But Moses went out and he chose people, and he, he gave them bits of stuff to do. And what Jethro said to Moses, look, you know, you've got to trust them. You've got to let them do it. But they've also got to know that they can come to you if they're struggling. 
You can mentor them. You can coach them. This is modern-day language. It's not what the Bible says, but it's kind of what it means. But you've got to let them do it. If you delegate, you let them get on with it. You let them find their own way to do it. And you are free to do what you are called to do. And you, Moses, although you don't have the title, your real job is to be the high priest for this time. You are the leader of the people, and you are the go-between to God. You're the one who has a special access to God. That's what you should be doing. And as we think today on our, our journey, looking at aspects of teams and building teams and being part of teams, we're invited to focus particularly on that story in the life of Moses. When he realised that he hadn't got to keep... Ooh, like spinning or juggling all the balls actually there were people around him who could do some of those things and they would flourish if they did them and he would flourish if he let them so we're now going to have an opportunity to continue to reflect on that story or any of the things that we've shared so far together today um, you do have an opportunity if you would like to to go and carry on working on our banner it's coming along beautifully I have actually I got a bit carried away yesterday I did an extra figure who's now on the end of that we have um, I think completed the bottom row of figures now but we would love more figures on there and this, again, is one where you can use your skills. If you're good at cutting out, you can cut out. If you're good at designing, you can design. You don't have to be able to sew, because I actually quite enjoy stitching the bits on. But if you enjoy sewing, that's fine. You can do a bit of that. We also have jewellery making. We also have um, dream catchers and boats and all sorts of things out there. And if you want to just sit and discuss some, um, some questions, there are some questions out there. Alternatively, you can stay in here where I will lead a reflection. The reflection is relayed over there, so you can go out there and do stuff and listen if you're very good at multitasking. And we've also got at the back some colouring and some copies of the questions. And what's going to happen is that Paul's going to play some music for us. Um, we don't have the play-in music this week, which is fine, so we're delegating and improvising and goodness knows what. Paul's going to play some music for us as we move around and as we reflect on the story and then later on in the service, the same piece will be used, I think, as the offering, the returning music, and then as the offering music. Thanks, Paul. to say that Moses is one of the most treasured stories 
in the whole world. Moses is revered by Jews, by Muslims, by Christians, and I suspect by others of other faiths and no faith whatsoever. He is the great patriarch within Judaism. He is one of the revered prophets in Islam. And in Christianity, he is viewed by some as a type of Jesus, a prototype, if you like, a, a, a thing that suggests what Jesus will be like, and certainly an important person in the story that leads up to Jesus. We know that he is a direct descendant of Levi, who was the third son of Leah. We know he was almost certainly of a peasant background, and we know that he grew up in a privileged context in Egypt. As I've reflected on Moses and his story this week, there have really been two incidents that have really got me thinking. The first one is that burning bush story. The one that we learn in Sunday school, many of us, or at school when I was that age, where he sees this bush that seems to be on fire and he goes towards it and he's told to take off his shoes, his sandals, because he's on holy ground. And he has an encounter with God that changes his life. What really strikes me, especially in the context of where we're going this summer, is the difference between Moses at this point in his life and Joseph, who we met last week. I think Moses is a deal older than Joseph was, so there's some age stuff going on there. But there's also some personality stuff going on. Joseph, if you remember, was a very big-headed young man who said, you know, brothers of mine, I've had this dream and you're all going to bow down to me. He paraded around in his fancy coat and he wound them up something shocking. It was him who ended up in Egypt and therefore him and his brothers that preempted the story we now have this morning. But Moses seems to have lacked confidence. He was self-deprecating. He is actually described, I think in numbers, I forget because I didn't write it down, as being a very humble man. And being humble is, being, is good. Being self-deprecating, which I'm guilty of, actually isn't always good. Because it means we say we can't do things well we can or we don't do things when we could of course he's reluctant to go back to Egypt I think Katrina was right when she said he feared arrest or murder he kind of had burned his boats with the Egyptians and with the Hebrew people and both of them had reasons not to like him so he wasn't in the greatest of places and he comes up with all sorts of reasons why he shouldn't go back like who me have you ever felt like that because I for certain sure have. Me. You think, and I, rem I do remember a Methodist minister saying, you are going to be an ordained minister. Me. No, 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 I don't think so. Clearly, although it wasn't in the Methodist church, she saw something that, that I didn't at that stage. Or perhaps you're like Moses and you ask a lot of questions. Well, well, well who's authority? 
Who, who's telling me to do this? Or, well, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't let me do it? What if they don't listen to what I've got to say? What if they don't take me seriously? <coughs> have you felt like that? Because I certainly have. Or, I'm not really very good at. I'm not really very good at public speaking, said Moses. I can't actually get away with that one. I've been public speaking since I was about six. I actually know I'm okay at it. But I'm also very aware that I have said many times, oh, I mean, I'm useless at pastoral care. I, I, I'm not good at that. Don't ask me to do visiting because I'm really rubbish at it. Kind of ironic, isn't it? That I recently took on a two hours a month chaplaincy role in a care home for elderly people, some with physical, some with mental needs, and some with end of life care needs. Sometimes we say, I'm not good at because we've never tried, or perhaps because it's a not yet rather than a not ever. And then that ultimate one, here I am, <laughs> send him, send her. We all laughed when I said it. But I wonder how many of us have done it. I can't actually think of an occasion when I said it, but I can think of many occasions when I thought it. I'm actually personally very grateful that my sense of call to ordained ministry was so incredibly intense that it was a here I am, I can do no other. God was shoving me in the back, if you like, and saying, you, just go and do it. Sometimes we need the call to be that strong. But often it isn't. Often it's a set of circumstances that come together, a set of opportunities, a set of comments that people say, oh, you know, you're really good at that. Have you ever thought about, would you like to try? God got cross with Moses. And I suspect if I was God, I'd have got cross with Moses. And I suspect that God sometimes gets cross with me too and probably gets cross with all of us because we're quite good at the I'm not very good at what if they don't take me seriously that person's better than me can't you get someone else to do it we can all be any or all of those and more The bizarre thing is, when we take the risk, when we take the plunge, God honours us and God looks after us. God's given me nearly 20 years to discover that actually I'm not too bad at pastoral care. It's not my top gift, but I'm okay at it and that's okay. But maybe we don't all need 20 years to work things out. So Moses goes back and with the help of Aaron and a lot of help from God, they lead these people out of Egypt. And life settles down and they are whiners and moaners and grumblers. 
And they do say it was better in Egypt in the good old days. And Moses gets fed up and Moses gets cross and there is that event which actually comes after everything we have heard this morning where he gets so furious he throws down stone tablets and smashes them into a thousand pieces. But Moses is also a man who is learning what it means to lead and to lead well. Moses is burning himself out, burning the candle at both ends, most likely. He's trying to talk to God. He's trying to lead these people on this strange journey that goes all over the place and gets nowhere. He's trying to deal with the fact that there are people around them who want to fight them and kill them. And he's trying to deal with these blooming whingers that come to him every day, complaining about the food, complaining about the water, complaining about the husband, complaining about the wife, complaining about what the children are doing, what the adults are doing, what the old people are doing, what the sheep are doing. And it's too much. But he's doing it. Spinning all those plates. And he hasn't got the time to stop and think. It takes somebody from outside somebody who's even a foreigner, to come along and take a look and say, whoa, Moses, hang on a minute. This isn't good. You're working so hard. But you're not even standing still. You're probably going backwards. You really can't go on like this. It's not good for you, and it's not good for the people. It's not good for you because you're burning yourself out. And after you, what will happen? And it's not good for the people because actually you're infantilizing them. You're letting them not grow up. You're letting them not have a go. You're letting them not make mistakes because you're so scared that it will all go wrong. But you can't do it all. And it's going to end in a mess. And Moses did listen to Jethro. And I wonder who are the Jethro's for us? Who's my Jethro? Who's your Jethro? It might be somebody in our church and it might be not. I think my Jethro is my pastoral supervisor. What's a pastoral supervisor, you ask? My pastoral supervisor is a very wise, retired Baptist minister who had a very different ministry from mine. She was a hospital chaplain in the north of Scotland. And I meet with my pastoral supervisor and we talk about stuff. What's going well? What's exciting? What's hard work? How I feel? The fact that perhaps I haven't actually prayed in a week or opened my Bible other than to write a sermon. And she just goes, yeah, and? Part of what she does is to normalise my experience. And I think part of what Jethro did was to normalise Moses' experience. And then she speaks her wisdom. And I'm really conscious when I spoke, I had a, a Skype supervision just a couple of weeks ago. And I shared stuff about how I was feeling how I was feeling following the death of my mum, how I was feeling as we go into summer, how I was feeling about the exciting things that are happening in our church and the frustrating things that are happening in our church, and the fact that actually I was feeling very tired and pretty flat. And she said, what you need to do is tread water. 
She didn't tell me I needed to be delegating, but maybe that's in there. Tread water. Stop trying to do so much. Stand still. Moses needed to stand still and he needed to look around and see, actually, who is it? Who is it could do these things that take my energy down? Because that's their gift and their energy level would go up. Who is it that could actually take on the things I'm good at and I enjoy and could one day succeed me? How do I, as the leader of these people, says Moses in his head, in my imagination anyway, enable our whole community to flourish? We are a church of hardworking people. Many of us who are employed work ridiculous hours. I'm probably, on my crazy weeks, one of the lower people on the hours they work in a crazy week. We are a church where there are a lot of us doing this. And we are a church that is blessed beyond belief because we have people in the 18 to 40 age group. Not many churches do. I talk to my minister friends in the happy, clappy Baptist churches that everybody thinks are amazing because they're big. Their Sunday school's no bigger than ours. They haven't got anybody in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s. We have a unique opportunity as a church to invest in that middle group. Nine people took a real risk 135 years ago when they left Adelaide Place and came out here start a church and we have this wonderful legacy and it is a wonderful legacy and there's nothing wrong with who we are now and how we are now but we need to think together how we as this team in this place carry that legacy on for another 135 years the longest I'm going to be here is 12 years I have 12 years to go till I retire there will be a time after me, which may be a good thing. Well, it undoubtedly be a good thing. But the church will still be here. There will be a time after all of us. But I hope and pray that this church will still be here and it will still be flourishing. Because people like me who have the huge privilege of having titles like leader or trustee or minister whatever it is I've had enough now to stop and look and listen and see who the people are who have the gifts and skills that can help us not to be a community of plate skinners and jugglers but to be a community that flourishes and thrives and is all that God longs for us to be and goes on into an ever more wonderful future.
we're going to sing again. It's a hymn that is not in any of the hymn books that we have, but the set tune is quite well known. God, it was who said to Abraham, pack your bags and travel on. Just as our opening prayer this morning was framed in the style of Psalms 118 and 136 as a call and response, so our prayers of intercession, our prayers for others and for each other are going to take a similar format. But there's a catch, because there has to be a catch when I'm up the front. I'm not going to do all the leading. I'll lead a few petitions and we will respond. And then I'm going to leave a space. And if you're feeling really, really brave, 
or really, really that there is a place or a person or a situation you would like us to pray for. All I ask you to say is, we pray for whatever it is. You don't have to say that such and such will be the case or for you to do so and so. Just to name a person, a place, or a situation. And then we will join in a response which I'll endeavour to facilitate. God of love, we say together, hear our prayer. If there's a spell of silence, that's fine. It doesn't matter. We don't have to fill the silence. But if you're feeling really brave, and there's something or someone you feel we should be praying for, then there will be an opportunity for you to name that too. So let's pray. God, whose love is everlasting and who longs for all creation to flourish and thrive, we bring our prayers for others and for each other. We pray for the boys rescued from the cave in Thailand. God of love, hear our prayer. We pray for those who serve as MPs, MSPs and MEPs. God of love, hear our prayer. We pray for those who feel marginalised, silenced or excluded because of their sexuality. God of love, hear our prayer. God of love, hear our prayer. We pray for those who feel a lot of drudgery in their work, looking after people in care. God of love, hear our prayer. We pray for young people facing a very uncertain future. God of love, hear our prayer. God of love, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are waiting for exam results and interview results. 
God of love, hear our prayer. God whose love is everlasting and who longs for all creation to flourish and to thrive, hear our prayers spoken silently or aloud and show us the part that we must each play in being the answers to them, to the glory of your name. Amen. together. Loving God, we have brought these gifts of money. For some of us, that's quite an easy thing to do. And for others, it's really demanding. Help us to give you all of our gifts. The practical gifts, the intellectual gifts, the spiritual gifts, 
the relational gifts. The gifts known only to you and the gifts known to ourselves and to others. And help all of us to employ those gifts in speaking and being and sharing good news in this place and throughout the world. Amen. Moses, I know you're the man, the Lord said. You're going to work out my plan. Lead all the Israelites out of slavery, and I shall make them a wandering race called the people of God. Let's sing together.
as we go from here. May the God whose love is everlasting and who gifts each one of us with talents, skills and opportunities to express them. Bless each one of us with the wisdom, courage and confidence to make choices that are healthy for ourselves and for our community so that we may indeed live out good news for all of creation, now and always. Thank you.